0: blog radio tonight on dr anonymous show 186 uh we will be having the uh, hosts of the uh, confessions of an ems newbie podcast they'll be joining us you can get there by going to uh, uh ems newbie.com uh, ron davis is the newbie and uh, uh kelly grayson is the uh, paramedic paramedic mentor and uh Kelly will be calling us from the huge uh, EMS uh, Expo conference going on right now in uh, Dallas, Texas. So uh, we will uh, talk about that and uh, a lot more coming up on the Dr. Anonymous show starting right now. media. This is the Dr. Anonymous Show, live on a Thursday night here on Block Talk Radio Network. My name is Mike Savilla and I am Dr. Anonymous, but my friends, like all of you, uh, you can call me Dr. A. And to find out more information about me, uh, just type Dr. Anonymous into your favorite search engine. I should be the top link over there. You can also go to uh, DrAnonymous.com, which brings you the most current show schedule, and we have some exciting shows coming up for you in October, coming up next month, actually, tomorrow's is October. Uh, also some blog posts and also some TV interviews of me doing some uh, local uh, TV news, especially this week, so go to DrAnonymous.com and check that out. You can also go to DrAnonymous.net. Shout out to all 277 people who liked the show or who are fans of the show, however, Facebook does that now. It also brings you some exclusive behind-the-scenes video of me doing this show. You can also go to DrAnonymous.net, where you can uh, uh, subscribe to this show. It is the iTunes page for the show. And you can also listen in real time to this show on your iPhone, BlackBerry, Palm Free, Droid, whatever your mobile device is. Just direct your mobile browser to blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Anonymous. Today is Thursday, uh, September 30th, 2010. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central, and it is 65 degrees Fahrenheit here at Dr. Anonymous World Headquarters. And uh, coming up uh, in just a little bit, we'll have the host, of the uh, Confessions of an EMS Newbie podcast. You can get there by going to emsnewbie.com, and it's no secret that even though I am a a physician, I (laughs) have become a real fan of the uh, EMS social media community, and uh, everyone knows uh, uh, in the EMS community knows about the Chronicles of EMS uh, podcast. Uh, actually, not podcast. The Chronicles of EMS, uh, I guess, a video uh, show, web show, and uh, I encourage you to check out uh, show number 140 here uh, on the Doctor Anonymous show. We had the uh, Chronicle of Chronicles of EMS. That was our discussion point for that uh, evening there. So check that out. Um, so we'll be uh, talking with uh, Ron Davis coming up. He is the newbie. Uh, he is a computer programmer and photographer. I also want to give his, uh, his uh, site there a shout out, photographerandmodel.com. Go ahead and check that out there. We'll be talking to him a little bit more about that and his interest and uh, going through the uh, EMT Basic and uh, his current paramedic program. Um, and also coming up will be a Stephen Kelly Grayson, also known as Ambo Driver on Twitter. He is a, a critical care paramedic of 16 years in southeast Louisiana. He has a blog, has been blogging for about four years now. And the blog is called A Day in the Life of an Ambulance Driver. You can go there by uh, going to uh, ambulancedriverfiles.com. Also an author of the book en Route: a paramedic's stories of life, death, and everything in between. And they do talk about the book in the podcast, especially the early podcasts. So if you have more interest on in that, we'll talk about talk to Kelly about that, and you can also check out the early episodes of the newbie podcast there. And we'll also talk about the EMS Expo in Dallas, which is going on right now. And I feel bad because I'm keeping Ambo Driver from his beverage of the evening here, and and also Ambo Driver's been a a, a sport today. This is only his 15th podcast that he's had. He's been podcasting all day and uh, pounding the pavement in social media so we'll uh, talk to him in a little bit as well but first i do want to thank blog talk radio for uh, featuring the show again this evening on the front page welcome to those of you who are new to the show Um, i have uh, been a social media hobbyist since 2005 and if you're curious yes i am a real doctor i am a family physician here in full-time private practice here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. And I do want to give a big shout out to my friends out there in Denver right now at their annual meeting of the American Academy of Family Physicians. And uh, so hope you guys are doing fun out there. i having fun out there. I've been following the tweets and the Facebook updates out there. So shout out to all of you. And if you're listening live here in the uh, chat room here, you can see my shining face on the webcam here this evening. Just uh, Go to the uh, top of the uh, chat room and click on the uh, webcam icon. You can see me do the show right before your eyes. I know, very, very exciting. (laughs) So what I'll do now is I will uh, take my break, and then we will, uh, a brief break, we'll bring our guest on to the show here. You're listening to the, uh, wait a minute, before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to the people in my chat room here. We have, Bird Tech, we have Jill Alltrades MD. we have Potato Chip, and we do have the aforementioned Ron Davis, uh, 007 on Twitter. So you're listening to the Dr. Anonymous show, a member of the Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can get there by going to fmec.net. I'll be speaking there next month in Hershey, Pennsylvania during Halloween weekend. We're excited about that. I'm also a member of the Better Health Network at getbetterhealth.com and also a member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts. That's right, Jamie Davis's The Podmedics Network. You can get there by going to promednetwork.com. We'll be right back. <laughs> pressure one point at a time. This is the Dr. Anonymous show live on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, on the line we have with us uh, right now, we have uh, Ron Davis, the newbie, and we have Kelly Grayson, <laughs> AMBO driver. Welcome, uh, gentlemen, to the show. Hi me? there. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> um let me uh, let me start with Kelly here. So I want to thank you for being on the show here because uh, this is your 15th podcast of the day. Can you describe to my audience here where you're at and what you're doing right now?
1: Right now, I am uh, sitting on the tailgate of my truck outside Eddie Bean's Barbecue in, in downtown Dallas, Texas uh, at uh, EMS Expo.
0: <laughs> all right
2: all right yeah, and uh ron what are you doing you're just kind of hanging out i guess uh, tonight, tonight huh? yeah i'm sitting in my office uh technically skipping class but i went this morning i had three tests this week and learned I V, so i couldn't get to uh, dallas i really wanted to go and now i'm jealous because i you know barbecue sounds good oh it is <laughs>
1: it is
0: uh, and, Ron, I do want to thank you for, for searching around your your class schedule here to be on the show here this evening. I know that you usually have uh, your uh, classes here on Thursday evenings. I think
2: it's uh, – what, what class do you typically have here on Thursday evenings now? On Thursday evenings, I have emergency pharmacology. And our program has a day course and a night course group that's going through. So they have both classes during the day. So I just switched and went to the day when um, – to this week. Okay. Great.
0: Great. Well let me uh, let me start with you here, Ron. And, and 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 uh and I'll start here just with a little story I I I will uh call Kelly, uh I will interchange Ambo Driver with during the interview because uh uh because that's that's, that's how I refer to him and uh Not a problem. just a just a quick little story. I w when I was at my first kind of uh uh medical social media event, um I met all these uh uh Physician bloggers and nursing bloggers, and all we did is uh, we called each other by our Twitter names. So uh, that's it's kind, of, <laughs> kind of funny. That's how we kind of associated with each other. So, um, so Rob, so I, I, I'm a big fan of, of the show uh, of the podcast. Um, why, don't you, why don't we kind of just start at um, your life uh, before you started your EMT basic uh, program? Uh, you're a computer programmer and photographer, and, uh, I do want to give your, your, your site there a shout out, photographerandmodel.com. Um, why don't you share with us a little bit about, um, you know, just, uh, just your interest in, in medicine, um, and taking the EMT basic, um, uh, course in the first place. What kind of drew you towards that?
2: Okay. Um. You know, the beginning of, we'll start beginning of last summer because I took the EMT course this summer. Um, I had absolutely no interest in medicine. As a matter of fact, uh, my best friend, we've known each other since high school, went to college together, and he's a doctor, and I had no interest in having his job. But uh, I always was kind of interested in, I don't know, survival kind of stuff, and I thought, well, I'll take EMT basic because I'll learn advanced first aid. That was really what I was thinking. And so I signed up for it in the summer. I'm like, you know, I'm never going to, find time for this. I just had to make time. So I signed up for it and did the basic course and was totally hooked um, on medicine, EMS, the whole thing in general. It's not just the lights and sirens. Uh, The biology of it's really fascinating to me when we're talking in emergency pharmacology about how drugs bind to proteins and therefore won't leave the capillaries. That's cool stuff to me. Um, Stuff I've never studied before. So I just got kind of hooked on it. And as you mentioned, my other website, uh, Photographer and Model, I actually have a podcast there, and um, we interview models and photographers every week. And so I knew how to do podcasting, so I decided, well, I'm going to go through basic, why don't I make a podcast for that too? And I had read um, Kelly's blog for years, more because we have a mutual interest in firearms, and uh, (laughs) so we were aware of one another, and I was like, you know what, I'll just send, you know, send this guy, ambulance driver, I didn't even know his name at the time, I'll send him an email and see if he'll sit down with me every week and talk about what we did in class. And I kind of figured, you know, he was too big and famous and it wouldn't happen, but I sent it to him, he's like, yeah, sounds like a great idea, let's do it. And so that's how it got started.
0: Um, so, so, Kelly, when, when he contacted you, um, you know, first of all, you probably looked at his site, I mean, uh, you know, he's a photographer and, you know, what... <laughs> <laughs> what, what what did you think what did you think when you saw these when you saw sight of all these you know beautiful models
1: oh well ron ron has had uh ron has had my um had my admiration uh for for as long as he's been reading my blog because early on when i started blogging i, I noticed a backlink to his uh I, I tracked back to his blog from sightmeter uh and went to his uh to his studio blog uh, reactuate and um and had seen some of the modeling pictures. And, uh, heck, it, until he contacted me in the first couple of episodes of, uh, the podcast, I didn't realize he, he was also an, an IT professional, uh, in his, in his full-time job and that his, uh, photography and, and, and stuff was a bit of a sideline. But, uh, Ron's always had my dream job. He takes care, he takes pictures of beautiful women all day. I, I you know, want to know what, <laughs> I was, I was an admirer. I, I wanted to know what it would take to, uh, to be a photographer's assistant, you know, to, <laughs> you need a mister or something, you know, someone to to wield the the, the spritzer and 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 make the models listen. <laughs> I'm I'm your man for that. So yeah, I was a I was a fan of his uh, of his website. Um, and and when he uh, approached me to do EMS newbie, um, I uh, I jumped at the chance because uh, one of the things that that for me that, that keeps me going in in EMS and, and keeps it fresh for me is is uh, teaching others and 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 mentoring new students because they, they, you know, there's nothing like viewing uh, medicine through a a set of fresh eyes, you know, people who are learning and seeing this stuff for the first time, and it still holds a lot of wonder for them. Um, So I get to experience that vicariously uh, through uh, students and and partners and peers who are are just coming into EMS, so I thought this was the perfect opportunity to to do that as well, maybe help Ron out as, as he goes through class.
0: Um, so, Kelly, let, let me uh, let me backtrack here a little bit with you as well, as far as um, kind of what first drew you towards the uh, the medical field, and you know, um, and I guess really kind of fast forward as far as what is your what is your job now, and uh, um, you know, a little bit about you know what a critical care paramedic is.
1: Hey, um, actually, uh, Dr. A, there's a, another podcaster walking to the parking lot right now. You know Jamie Davis, the pod medic?
0: Yes, I'm uh, a, a big fan of Jamie Davis, the pod medic.
1: Hang on just a second. Jamie, give a shout-out to Dr. Anonymous. <laughs> yeah.
0: Welcome to live radio, kids.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm on the Dr. A show. He said, he said, tell Dr. A, you he said hello. Um, All right. I was. I have, I have always. Uh, and and here's Chris Montero, the Geeky Medic uh, from EMS Garage, who's also waving hello. So it's like a, a podcaster uh, smorgasbord out here.
0: They I, are. I uh, just to let people know that they're probably going to the uh, the unofficial dart tournament going on in the bar uh, probably right now that I'm kind of uh, tracking so. a little they're, bit. So
1: they're probably trying to scare up more alcoholic beverages and fun, and, and that's <laughs> what you know. That's, that's after the, the uh, along with the CEUs, it's it's meeting people in your in your tribe, you know that that you can you can share those experiences with, have a little fun. Man, so I, I, lo- I love uh, in...
0: I love live radio. This is awesome. So yeah, th- th- <laughs> thanks for giving them shout outs. So appreciate it.
1: I got started in, in EMS. Uh, I, I always wanted to be a doctor, and and had enough people uh, over the years tell me, you know, you should you should be a doctor. Uh, you, but unfortunately, calculus beat me two falls out of three so uh so uh but I, I became a, a paramedic um, uh, I was a professional retriever trainer at the time and and uh training dogs for a living and and uh wanted to to get into something else and and uh, I had dropped out of college uh to train dogs full time and and wanted to get back into school and and get into medicine and the the plan was was to to go back complete my degree in biology and, and apply to med school but until I could get some student loans paid off I, I needed a way to pay the bills so uh, my mother was a licensed practical nurse and uh, she she was a 50 year old homemaker who decided to go back to school and become a nurse and and went to nursing school and got her uh, got her certificate and and encouraged me to, to take the same path so I went to the local technical college um, with the intention of signing up for a, a practical nursing uh, course, and uh, they told me it was full, and there was a year and a half waiting list. Uh, <laughs> and they said you can you can take this. Uh, so what a lot of people do is take this course called emergency medical technician, um, and it only lasts six months, and then you know it'll help pass the time. It will give you a leg up in the nursing program. Um, and the plan was just to work for a couple of years as a nurse, and then uh, go back to school full time. Well, I, I fell in love with EMS within the first, you know, much like Ron, I fell in love with it the first couple of weeks of the class and I uh, decided I didn't want to do anything else. So I became an EMT and, and I worked for a, a small, struggling ambulance service uh, and had been a, a, an EMT for all of five months when I enrolled in paramedic school. Uh, at the time, that that sort of thing wasn't allowed in Louisiana. I was, as far as I know, I was the first one they ever re- waived that requirement for, um, and I became a paramedic one year to the day after I became an EMT basic and been doing that
0: ever since. Um, and, Ron, uh, you, you do share in, in the podcast um, that, um, you know, uh, you're in your 40s now and you were going back to school to uh, to for your EMT basic uh, class. Um, how was that experience when you were going through it as far as, you know, uh, and I know you've talked about it in the podcast too. Is that learning how to learn? Uh, can you yeah. share, can you share a little bit about how learning was different when you were in school and college, and and how what your process was now kind of going through it?
2: Sure. Um, you know, when I was in college, I kind of read the books m- most of the time and took notes in class. And studying meant making sure I'd done the reading. And that was kind of my means of of going through school. and I actually have two bachelor's degrees, one in mass communication, radio TV, and one in computer science. And I don't know, I guess I was just kind of able to wing my way through that. I was kind of a C student, but I got through both of them. And when I went back to this, you know have you know 20 years later, yeah yeah, 20 years later, um, I had kind of a different Motivation. I didn't want to be a C student. I didn't want to just pass. And um, when I took my first test in BASIC, uh, it was, you know, the results were horrible. Uh, of course, the results were horrible for everybody in the class. Uh, it, was a, it was a major shock that the testing that you have in EMS classes is different than other school kind of stuff that I've had in the past. It's not so much about the facts exactly as it is about application of those facts, and I can talk about that in a minute, but so there was this big shock, and then i, I you know i I kept trying new, new things to find out how to you know improve my performance in class. and so I've just had to continually do that. I've been uh, reading books on learning and um you know taking notes on the book that was one of the things I learned when I was in college. You never took notes on the book, you barely took notes on the lecture. But you never took them on the book, and that was one thing that I do now. Um, Creating study guides, that was another thing that I do now that I don't do then, which is basically a way of testing yourself um, based on the stuff that you need to know for the class and knowing how when I'm done studying, like when you actually have the material, which basically is when you can recite it from recall. So if you can, you know – Tell you the seven ways of active listening that was on our test on Tuesday. If you can just cite those from memory, then you know the you know the facts. Even though your your class may not ask you them from memory, although my test did ask for them from memory. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I've been learning to learn. And how was it uh, taking computer
0: tests? Because you've never taken tests on a computer. How was that the experience? Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, I found it really weird. You know, I'm a computer guy. I sit in front of a computer 10 hours a day, but uh, I had never taken a test where each question comes up. Uh, it's a, in basic, each question came up one at a time, and um, that was weird. Going back was really hard. I mean, you could hit the back button. You can only see one question at a time. So after 100 questions, if you want to go back and review everything, which is what you would have done on paper, you have to hit the back button 100 times. Um, if uh, y- there was no way to write things on the test because it was all on the computer. Uh, like today I had a test and we were doing math pharma- pharmacological math. And so I would, that was actually written so I could go through the question and underline the, the relevant measurements you know, that I'm going to plug into a formula as I'm reading it. When, I, when you're on the computer, you can't do that. I mean, they let you have a piece of paper and you can write down stuff next to you. But yeah, doing it on a computer is weird. For me, um, it's
1: an entirely new skill set that you have to you know, uh, that you, you have to cultivate. Um, that was one of the you know one of the jobs as a, as an EMT instructor um, is is preparing your students for success on the exam. It, it does no good to go through the class and then fail the certification exam. Um, so you know before uh, you, you have to get them to practice an entirely new set of test taking skills, uh, and it. It was a, a bit of a learning curve for me. Um, I'm, I'm seriously considering when I recertify, when I renew my, my paramedical license in 2012, um, or actually 2011, uh, I think I'll just take the entire thing again uh, by test. They allow you to do that now rather than get your continuing education hours and your, your uh, refresher. Um, you can just sit for the test and, and retake the written exam. Uh, and I really think I'm going to do that. Uh, just go ahead and take it, just so I'll, I'll have a, a hand knowledge of, of of what to expect, so I can pass that on to my students in the future.
0: And uh, that'll be great for the podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You'll really love it if I flunk the darn thing and <laughs> take a refresher again. Yeah, that, um,
2: you know that that would be good. You could understand your students when they fail the test. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, you're listening to the Dr. Anonymous Show live on Blog Talk Radio on a, a Thursday night. Uh, my guests on the line are the hosts of the uh, Confessions of an EMS Newbie podcast. You can get there by going to emsnewbie.com. We have uh, Ron Davis, um, who is Ron is rondavis007 on Twitter, and also Kelly Grayson, also known as AmboDriver on uh, Twitter. And uh, his book is called And a Route. They are paramedic stories of life, death, and everything in between. Uh, so, Amber Driver, let me let uh, we just kind of move into the book here a little bit. Um, okay. I've, I've read a little bit of it, and um, and just just from listening to the podcast, um, I, the book came before the blog. Uh, so, yeah, um, want to just kind of share with the audience here um, kind of the origins of the book and uh, kind of how that uh, how that got started. Well, the uh,
1: the the book. Primarily, I had always thought of myself as a, as a technical writer. Um, I can, uh, I'm a fair hand at writing uh, um, technical data and, and making it uh, fairly uh, easy to read and informative, and, and, um, and breaking down a complex subject into easily digested bites. But never really thought of myself as a particularly creative writer. Uh, until the, my second stint at uh, at college, trying to uh, trying to get into medical school after I've been a, a paramedic for several years, um, I, I took English uh, English composition for the easy a. Uh, I needed something I knew could boost my GPA. I knew I could make an A in English, so I, I took the class rather than CLEP it. And uh, my my uh, English professor um, uh, told me I had a, a talent for creative writing, and she she pushed me and, and nurtured it and. Uh, I That kind of laid dormant, but I came home from uh, a teaching trip on September 23, 2005 uh, to find half of my possessions gone and a note from my soon-to-be ex-wife on the coffee table of a dear Kelly letter. Um, and I was working uh, in a system status management EMS system at the time where where you, you don't have ambulance stations, you sit in your ambulance for twelve hours at a time uh, and wait for calls. So uh, I was slowly just going, going insane, and and thought of a had had to have some some means of release. So uh, I hauled out my laptop on the slow nights and and I just started writing. Uh, I wrote a, wrote about uh, one particular call. I think the first the first uh, story I wrote was uh, called Little White Crosses. Um, and writing that one uh, jogged my memory of of another call I had written uh, or I had uh, done, and and I wrote the story on that one, and and that led to another. And pretty soon I I put together an outline, and and after about 50 pages, uh, my partner uh, looked over and said, you know, for for two weeks you've been typing steadily in that laptop. What the heck are you writing? So uh, I let him read it, and, and he suggested that I send it to a publisher. So uh, I saw a second opinion from a, a paramedic uh, from New Hampshire, uh, a friend of mine who had edited um, a couple of EMS textbooks. And uh, unbeknownst to me, she uh, forwarded my uh, my manuscript or my partially finished manuscript off to a, a another mutual friend who had just started a, a fledgling publishing company. So two weeks later, I had a book contract, and he said, let him know when the completed manuscript was done. So uh, Barely eleven months after I started writing, I, I had a, uh, a, a book out um, available for purchase, and and I uh, started the blog as a way to publicize that book and to uh, to to polish my my craft of writing, learning to uh, to write a little better, and and maybe uh, use it as a trial balloon for uh, stories for a new book, um, and and I'm still doing that today.
0: Um, and and you guys get into a lot more detail in, in the. <clears throat> early newbie podcasts as far as process as far as different publishers which i really encourage people to uh, uh to listen to because i learned a little bit a little bit about kind of the publishing world um and uh that, that that's interesting to me um
1: and i'm still so, somewhat of a, a neophyte at it because I, I i still i i lucked into it I, I didn't have to suffer all the the rejection that that so many aspiring authors do you know and and you, you send out query letters, and or you shop for an agent, and and, and get turned down a million times. Uh, uh, you know, the first person to to read my manuscript accepted it, and and then after I had the blog, the uh, uh, another uh, major textbook publisher, a division of Prentice Hall, uh, or excuse me, a division of Simon Schuster, Kaplan Press, uh, came a calling, and said, uh, "We like your writing. Would you be interested in doing a book?" So um told them I already had one and they uh, they liked it and agreed to republish it.
0: Um, and your blog is called A Day in the Life of an Ambulance Driver and uh, people yeah. can go to ambulance driver files uh, and and Kelly so uh, so these days um, so what would people expect to see or read um, on the ambo driver blog these days?
1: Uh, it's a mix of uh, I kind of, uh, my blog is neither fish nor fowl nor good red meat. Um, it's a lot of medicine. Uh, I'm trying to be a little more EMS centric these days, but I will, I will post anything from what I consider, uh, funny, uh, funny anecdotes and, and, uh, commentary on, on current EMS events or, or uh, political diatribes <laughs> or, uh, or um, indulge my, uh, my fondness for projectile weapons and, uh, and, and talk about shooting, which is one of my, one of my stress releases and, and favorite hobbies. So um, it's a little bit of everything, guns, politics, uh, and, and most of all, EMS and, uh, and uh, medical instruction. So you get some vignettes from, from my nights on an ambulance and, and stories of, of calls I ran, uh, suitably uh, hypnotized. And, um, and that's, that's basically it.
0: Um, and, and, Ron, but part of those, uh, the early Newbie podcast, there, there was a section devoted to, to Kelly's book there. And uh, um, I, from what I was gathering, in addition to reading your basic uh, book, you were reading Kelly's book, too. Um, what did you get out of that? What, what did you enjoy about reading, you know, uh, Kelly's stories in his book?
2: Yeah, I was reading it as I went along, and we would uh, talk about different specific chapters from the book all through basic. Well, at least until we finished the book. And, um, yeah, he's he's a little too modest. He's a really great writer and really gets to the emotion of it. And one of the things I really liked coming in as a newbie reading his book was it not it wasn't all trauma and adrenaline and flashing lights. It was the humanity of it of EMS that he really brings across that you're, you know, you're meeting people on the worst days of their lives and those worst days aren't necessarily, you know, requiring helicopter transport or when they had a wreck, you know, maybe because their husband is dying and um, you're there to transport him to the hospital. And so that to me, you know, kind of gave it a perspective that you know us adrenaline junkies that are are attracted to e m s maybe don't think about a lot um and so that was that's what i really enjoyed about his book um
0: and kelly there there's uh you know at least now and probably for a little while there there's been a lot of talk um you know in 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 medical social media circles about um you know, what kind of stuff that you should share about patients and patient experiences and patient privacy and that type of thing. And I think you talked about in, in the podcast um, that there are uh, more than one version of your book that's around um, yeah. with different people who have edited some of the stuff out of there. Can you speak yeah. to that as far as, you know, you know what, what you would call the, uh, your director's copy as opposed to what is the most recent version that's out now?
1: The, the most uh, um, Kaplan Press is, has released two versions of the book, and, and uh, I kind of learned a little bit about the publishing business as I go. Apparently the, the, first, the first go through, they if they think it has potential, they'll put it in hardcover. And uh, after it's had a year or two of sales, and, and uh, they'll release it in a, uh, a trade paperback, they call it, just a slightly smaller, um, the, still the same content, but they just release it in a less expensive paperback version. Um, but the original book had uh about ten chapters that are not included in the in the, the two versions from Kaplan. And at the time, uh I I kind of bowed to to the what I figured was the superior wisdom of, of my uh the the editor at Kaplan who, who approached me with the contract. Um, you know, I I you know, I just I wrote the book, you know, look like, they know how to market it, and, and they know it's just their business. I'm just the talent. So, uh have, having to do it over again, I'd, I'd stand up more for uh, for the content and, and see that some of it was left in there. Um, when they when they uh, released the book, uh, or when they they sent me the galleys um, with the, the proofreader notes on there, the the main. Uh, other than, you know, small little continuity errors and things where, where I had, uh, you know, I wrote the book uh, with real names and real, uh, real locations and everything else, the first draft, and then I went back through and I changed everyone's name around, muddied the details, changed, you know, changed characters from one story to another so that even if you were on that call, you, you may not recognize yourself. Um and uh, in doing so, I, you know, I had some continuity errors where I called one a person by one name and in one chapter, and in the very next chapter, I'll, I'm calling him by something else. So they fixed all that. But the the overriding, uh, the overwhelming um, uh, opinion was that there were holes in the story. Uh, they said, you know, this reads like uh, there's a chapter or two missing. What happened to these missing chapters? Because there are some continuity gaps. And uh I you know, I was concerned about that as well and the editor said, Ah, oh, no, no, it, it won't be a problem. People will love it and uh and people do love it. But the criticism they have is that there are continuity gaps. that that they're you know, you move from one story to another and, and uh if you if you approach it like it's a collection of short stories, um, it it reads great. If you if you look at it like it's a, a chronological narrative, there are obvious holes. Uh, and those holes were the, you know, transitional chapters that may not necessarily deal with medical care, um, but, but about the relationships, uh, of me and my coworkers and, and my, my wife at the time, um, uh, they were kind of the narrative thread that, that, kind of tied everything together, uh, and if I, on the, the next book, I'll, I'm going to kind of stand up to, to keep those things in there, um. Plus the the uh, editors at uh, at Kaplan were a bit leery of, of publishing some of the darker chapters that uh, which really disappointed me. Um, uh, afraid that that would paint uh, EMTs or paint paint me personally in an flattering light. And should some malpractice attorney take me to court one day, he'd uh, he could bring up the book as evidence that that I've had these. You know, uh, I, I think every. EMT at, at one point or another has entertained dark fantasies about what they do to a dunk, drunk driver who just killed a, an innocent person, you know, or, or what it would be like to uh, to exact a little justice. And, um, you know, I gave uh, free reign to those fantasies in, in a couple of different stories, um, making it clear afterwards that, you know, I did not follow through on those things and that that's all they were were, were fantasies. But I tried to portray the, uh, you know, EMS and and the mindset of EMS providers, warts and all. You know, uh, I think the the honest, most honest portrayal is uh, is uh, the one that honors us the most, um, and, and even including all the bad stuff. Uh, well, they they took out some of the bad stuff, and I, I thought it should should have been left in. So,
0: um, so Kelly, so so let me ask you then. So, do you have advice for people um, in the medical field who Want to um, start, you know, or, or considering, you know, doing a blog or doing a podcast, talking about patients. Um You yep. have advice for them as far as you know how much they should try to, you know, de-identify you know patience in the situation is it would does that remove too much from the story or do you think people would still be able no, to write those type of stories
1: no. I, I don't yeah i think it i don't think you. It, it, it's it's a doable thing you know one of the 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 techniques that that i use and it it doesn't first of all it doesn't have to read like a blow by blow uh, thing um you know a uh, a uh, a sequential narrative is exactly how a play-by-play replay of, of how the uh, the call went down um and it helped me uh that i'm i was recalling most of these calls because the the book ends about um five years prior to uh uh, uh ends in my career about five years prior to when it was actually published so uh, I, i've got seven or eight years of stories since then but recalling these things from memory if the if the dialogue was you know uh if if what was said was just a little fuzzy or I can't remember exactly what was said uh i knew the characters and my partners well enough that i could put words in their mouth i knew what they would i knew what they would have said or the gist of what they said in that instance and uh not only does that make it easier to write uh but it also makes it uh if you weren't there you, you can't uh you know it it doesn't stand out as starkly to you, and, and makes it a little harder to to identify a particular call. Um, but if you, you know, if you take into consideration that that um, you will, uh, you know, adhere to a, a the healthcare blogger's code of ethics about not revealing protective he- protective health information, and uh, and if you take the just the time to anonymize uh, a patient, just to just at least some degree, you're going to be safe. Um, if you're going to say, you know, first of all, there's no such thing as anonymity on the internet, no matter how hard you try, somebody can find out who you are. So write, uh, with the, with the attitude that you're willing to own whatever you put on the, on the internet. Um, and, and if you're, if you're okay with that, then, uh, that will, uh, if you're, if you're willing to censor yourself, um. Uh, even anonymously, uh, you're not, not very likely to go wrong. You know, some of my, you know, some of my patients, I may talk about, you know, the, the, the write-up may have been, the story may have been about a white woman and it was actually a black man. Um, or I may, uh, I may speak of one partner who was on the call and when actually it was another partner entirely. But uh, I make it up to them by making them a character in the next call. The only thing that is true, uh, and, and unvarnished is the, is the, uh, the, the patient condition and, and, you know, the, the gist of, of the meat of the story.
2: Uh, you
1: know, I'll alter other details just to make it a little muddier. That's one of the, um, one of the, the favorite pastimes, uh, among the local ER crews, uh, especially some of the older folks that have been around, that were around. Um, I'm in, right now I'm working in an area that I was working in, uh, 14 years ago, uh, when a lot of these calls went down. So, the local ER crews, uh, ER staffs, have uh, they've, they've all read the book, and they like to play. You know, guess the patient. You know, I think I remember that guy. <laughs> you know, wait a minute, you're talking when you say uh, you know, Lake Chillicothe. You're you're talking about Lake Charles, aren't you? Well, I don't know. You tell me. So why? Wow. You know, and and lots of people think they know, uh, think they they know the patient I'm talking about, and and uh, I just smile because about three quarters of the time they're wrong looks like I did a fairly good job of disguising disguising details um, but uh you know a lot of these patients just the types are universal um the The feedback I get on the from the book from other e m s providers is is uh, uh they almost always say that guy's been in my ambulance you know I have just that same patient uh in my rig or, or we have that guy in our e r all the time um, so uh I think uh, some some patient behaviors are, are pretty much universal. You've got some of these guys in every system and in every emergency department uh, uh, anywhere in the country. You can kind of pick them up and, and move them around, and they'd they fit in someone else's story just as easily.
0: My um, guests on the line here um, are the hosts of the Confessions of an EMS Newbie podcast. You can get there by going to emsnewbie.com. We have uh, Kelly Grayson, uh, blogger, author, uh, he's mbo driver on uh, Twitter and also Ron Davis, the newbie computer programmer and photographer um, and uh ron so let me let me uh switch gears back here to the to the podcast um, and I was listening back uh, to uh, the first show today actually, and uh, since you've been through emT basic, I uh, wanted to kind of uh, reflect back with you as far as you know a couple a couple of fears that you had was the whole blood and guts type of thing that uh, maybe you wouldn't be able to, to handle it and also the, uh, the content and the, the academics um, of it. Kind of looking back towards the uh, EMT basic course, um, what, what advice would you have for people who have those fears right now as far as, you know, thinking about doing EMT basic course?
2: Um, on the blood and guts, The problem is that I am a big, fluffy white cloud, and when I get an ambulance shift, nobody gets injured in the entire city of Houston. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) so I haven't really had a call where I've had to deal with the blood guts. I'm depending on Kelly's answer to that, which is you're so focused on doing your job that you don't notice that. Um, And I can understand that um, as well. On the learning part, yeah, it was... Hard, but not in the way I expected. Uh, meaning that, like I said, the tests are different. Uh, you know, they don't—they tell you, you know, this is how you handle say bleeding. But when you get a question, it isn't like if the person is bleeding, do you apply pressure? The the question is is written in the form of a scenario, and it's multiple choice. But there's normally 4 qu—there's normally four choices. Two of them are obviously wrong, and two of them look right. And then you have to differentiate. You have to know the material well enough to pick the one that's right. And um, that was a bit of a shock to me, um, That and I wasn't really sure how you study for that. Um, so, yeah, the academic of it ended up being tough, but not in the ways I expected. It was wasn't just me needing to recall material; it was me needing to be able to apply that material, which is uh, kind of a different thing. Um,
0: well, uh, uh, well, let, let me ask you this, Ron. So, it's, I, I think it was it was the most recent podcast or the one before or that where um, you got advice on you know how to listen to a patient for breath sounds or heart sounds or something like that, I and mean, it was something that you wish you knew when you were in BASIC mm-hmm. and something that you shared with your son who is going through BASIC right now. Um, uh, so since you've completed the course, are there other like, tips that you have as far as to try to you know, augment um, the learning of, a, of a, somebody going through BASIC that you didn't learn until now or that would have been helpful if you, you know, when you were going through the BASIC course?
2: Um, you know, it's funny because you mentioned my son, and um, he is in basic right now, and I'm in paramedic school now, so I'm going to the next level, and it seems like in, in paramedic school, you're learning mostly the same stuff you learned in basic, just deeper. So we learned patient assessment in basic, and that was asking them sample an OPQRST and um, taking their vitals, and it was that was about it, and... Now I have a whole class on patient assessment, and we learn it in much more depth. And so, like, we learned heart sounds and lung sounds um, in the last few weeks. And, you know, just things that happen in there, you know, your teacher will be talking to you. And sometimes I think they do this and they tell basics, these things, you know, but she was talking to us about um, where to listen for lung sounds and how to hear all the lobes of the lungs. And when I was in basic and doing my clinicals in the hospital, I couldn't, you know, I didn't know how to listen to, mostly didn't know how to listen to a woman's chest and hear the lungs, right? Because they have things on the front of their chest that block your, your listening to the lungs. And she it's said. It's
1: so fun to listen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like, you know, she you said, just hug
1: around until you find the spot.
2: Well, you know, that's kind of what I did. You know, there was one instance in in clinicals where we had a patient with COPD and the medics that were working on her said, hey, can you give me some lung sounds on her? And I'm like, okay. And so I'm listening top, you know, yeah, you can hear up here, you can hear up here. And then I listen down low and I don't hear anything. And I finally said, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong or not, but I don't hear anything in the bottom. And they're like, No, you shouldn't hear anything because she's C O P D and the bottom is full of liquid and so you're not gonna hear anything but I wanted to see if you would actually tell me you didn't hear anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah. but what I was back to what I was saying was that my teacher was talking about auscultating breast sounds and she said one of the things you can do is you listen to the top at the top part of their chest on either side and then you go lateral and listen on the sides. And that was something I passed on to my son because that gets around the whole breast issue. You just Get them on. The, if you can't get them in the back, I mean, they'd already told us that going to the back to listen for breath sounds is 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 good. But you know, when we were in the hospital. We had a lot of people who couldn't really sit up to do that. So, um, so that was something that I learned there. And I think there'll be other things that you just because you're going deeper, you're going to find those things that are useful. You know, Doctor Anonymous, you were talking about. we were, I think Kelly just coined a new word: hypnotize and um we're, he was talking a little about anonymousness and so i wondered about your name dr anonymous were you trying yeah. to be anonymous when you started um uh, yeah actually that's
0: a that's a good question um i uh, i started i started reading medical blogs at the end of uh 2005 and um i was having some medical issues uh back then and i wasn't doing anything for a week so uh and i think that's just when i think um, itunes just started putting uh podcasts on the itunes and and for a week i listened to podcasts and then uh then i started trying to find uh, some medical related blogs and i started reading some stuff and i'm like well maybe i could write something or do a podcast or something like that but and i was you know real scared at the time uh because you know i uh i, I my practice is in a small town here in northeastern ohio Um, so I was like, oh, well, if I would put my real name, people can Google me and I talk about patients and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I wanted to start a blog, um, but initially I did not want to use my real name. So I tried to find some kind of, um, you know, gimmicky type name and, uh, and I just typed in. Uh, Doctor Anonymous into the uh, the blogger software and it wasn't taken yet. I'm like, oh, it wasn't taken. Great, this will be great. I'll <laughs> you know, just start talking about how stuff. many
2: things have been named because it wasn't taken. Just, that's just the modern age, right
0: there. <laughs> um, and then uh, and, and then yeah, and I, I started writing that next summer and uh, I was really enjoying it. I was really loving it and just like uh, just like Kelly was saying, you know, I was. Uh, trying to, uh, you know, uh, de-identify, you know, all the patients I was seeing. And, and I was be- doing a lot of venting, you know, similar to, you know, what, what was the creation of Kelly's book and a lot of medical blogs and, and books. Um, and I was really enjoying it. And, uh, and uh, uh, my blog at the end of that calendar year was, was, uh, was nominated for, for Best New Blog of the Year. And I was like, oh, great. This is great um and then just i think it was about seven or eight months uh, when i started blogging um some big national website um picked up on it and said oh read this guy's stories and i was like oh great this is great for the blog um and then i started getting some of the hate mail i started getting some of the people that are just really the trolls and the really bad people out there um and said you know don't even think you could be anonymous. Here's your IP address. This is where you live. We know exactly where you are. You should just be honest and just, uh, you know, stop fooling people. And that scared me. That really scared me. I almost quit the whole thing um, and just del- I almost deleted everything. But um, a lot of the people who enjoyed my blog and, and, and read my blog said, hey, you know, you should keep going. You know, we don't care who you are. Um, you know you know we don 't you know you can share your name and that type of thing so so since that point i 've been slowly um, revealing myself you know, online over the past three or four years. So, and, uh, and that's a kind of interesting story too, because I would be really mysterious about it. You know, Uh, like, like in the early days, I would like put like a black and white picture of myself in silhouette. you know, be like, oh, that's the first thing (laughs) of Dr. And then it would, it would, it would progress to a little bit more and a little bit more. And about a year later, I started doing some video blogs and a little bit more and a little bit more. So to the point now, where I am the least anonymous doctor on the Internet because on my blog, you know, on my website, I have, you know, my voice and my face and on video and on pictures. So um, and a lot of people have said, well, why don't you just use your real name as, as, your, as your website? I said, well, you know, I can, but, you know, when I went to a meeting recently, they are like, oh, you know, you're Dr. Anonymous, you know, but we know who you are. Well, what's my name? I don't know what your name is. So that's still kind of my gimmick. I still keep it. So it's it's a little cutesy type of thing. So I keep going with it. I think it's funny. Um, but uh, but now, you know, I, I don't consider myself anonymous anymore. Um, I just think it's kind of funny that people, you know, say I'm not anonymous. So that, that's kind of a, a little nutshell of the Dr. Anonymous story.
2: I, yeah, well, you've had I so much invested in that brand. You really can't change now.
1: Yeah, well, I'm the same way with, with the ambulance driver. You know, I started out uh and everyone, you know, that that reads my blog or, or everyone that, that follows medical blogs knows me as ambulance driver or, or A D. Uh and, and people call me that in real life. Uh you know it's a it's a someone who's read my blog when they come up, Hey, it's A D Um and uh you know but but any pretence of anonymity for me went when i I put up a purchase link to my book on the blog you know but uh you know it's it's a brand and and i I try to keep it uh, i still blog as as ambulance driver and refer to myself as ambulance driver in the blog simply because it's uh that's a persona you know it's not me entirely uh it is me to a, a very great extent. Um,
0: it's a character. Uh, I think my tagline
1: said, "Yeah, it's a character I play. It's uh, a, and it's a, a reality-based character. I'm not. It's not a, a stretch to play this character. It is me, but it's a, uh, it's me to the nth degree. Um, the the way I refer to it in my tagline is uh, I'm the id of EMS. <laughs> so, um, yeah, an ambulance driver is is uh, is Kelly Grayson's id. Um. So uh, that the blog is
0: where I give free reign to it. Yeah, and, and what's really interesting is that when you get all these IDs together at like EMS Expo, and yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody everybody just kind of acts out who they are online, and it is just uh, it is just a, a blast. Um, yes, it is. Uh, so Kelly, let me uh, let me just have you describe a little bit for people who don't know what EMS Expo is. Uh, just maybe just describe. Describe what it is officially and then kind of describe what you get out of EMS Expo.
1: (laughs) EMS Expo is one of the two uh, major national conferences. Uh, um, uh, Emergency Medical Services has has a couple of major trade journals. One of them is uh, EMS Magazine um, and the other one is the Journal of Emergency Medical Services. And they each have their own uh, competing uh, national conferences. Uh, Jim's, uh, the Journal of Emergency Medical Services, has a... EMS Today, they they hold in Baltimore in uh, the spring of each year. And uh, EMS Magazine holds EMS Expo. And and actually, EMS, uh, the name, this will be the last year, I believe it's called EMS Expo. Uh, They've just gone through a a name change, and they call it, now it's going to be referred to as EMS World. Uh, And the uh, EMS Magazine uh, uh, and online uh, version of it will be referred to as EMS World. We'll be in uh, Las Vegas next year, and New Orleans really? uh, in New Orleans in 2012. So, wow, I'm going to have to uh, show up really, for that one. Yeah, uh, you know the 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 one of the funny things about Hurricane Katrina, uh, if there is a funny thing about Hurricane Katrina, uh, is that the year uh, the year Katrina hit, um, two days before it hit, uh, EMS Expo was hosted in New Orleans. Um, wow. So you had 3,000, or you had 6,000 paramedics, uh, uh, disaster planners, and and EMS managers all in New Orleans uh, prior to the the landfall of Hurricane Katrina. I got out, uh, I left the hotel a day early uh, and checked out a day early, and uh, Hyatt Regency wouldn't refund my money. Thank you, Hyatt Regency, while I never (laughs) stayed your hotels again. Um, How bitter. And, you yeah, know, not that I'm bitter or anything, that, you know, I had to wait in the gas line for six hours while they released the hold on my credit card. <laughs> uh, but, um and, and, uh, a good number, probably a, a couple of hundred of, of conference participants, uh, stayed and, and stayed, uh, I mean, we had medics from Hawaii who had, had flown in and, and couldn't get flights out, and rather than, than, catch a ride out of town and, and uh, find an airport, uh, you know, other arrangements back home. They chose to uh, shelter in place in New Orleans and in the aftermath try to uh, to help provide medical care. So I uh, thought well, that was a pretty good story and it will be nice to see EMS World uh, come back to New Orleans um, seven years later and and, uh, and revisit the city and see how it's rebuilt.
0: And uh, Ron, I know you wa- you wanted to go, and, and I wanted to go oh, too. Yeah. Uh, um, So when you do go, and, and we'll talk about some of your your future uh, appearances here, especially the TF- Texas EMS uh, conference in Austin coming up in November, you guys will be doing a live show there. So w- w- so when you go to the, when you go to a conference uh, there, uh, Ron, um, and meet people, what what do you hope to get out of that experience when you when you go to a, an EMS conference?
2: You know, I have no idea what an EMS conference is like. I hear you do podcasts, and you drink and stay up late, and it's um, <laughs> about all I've heard so far. Darts? I think there's darts involved. <laughs> Actually, darts. the reason I really want to go to Expo was not to go to any of the sessions or any of that. I just wanted to meet all the other social media people. You know, I wanted to meet the guys from EMS Garage. I wanted to meet Jamie Davis. You know, I want to meet all these people that I've listened to online. Um, but have never met, um, and that was really the reason I wanted to go. And Kelly, Kelly and I have never met in person. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and, and it's
0: interesting uh, when uh, when I met people uh, last year in, in Vegas at Blog World Expo, uh, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, who was the persona that they portray online, and who is this person standing in front of me? And when you have that kind of surreal experience. Um, that's very strange when you kind of meet people in person um, and not through the screen the first time. And I think Kelly would probably agree with that.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. uh, It it is a a surreal experience, you know, meeting these people um, uh, in real life and, and, and seeing how different and sometimes how, how very, very alike they are to their, their online personas. Um, the the nice thing about these these conferences like EMS Expo and, and EMS World as it will be known is uh it's not only the exhibit hall of course it's the networking uh you know you, you get to see people who who you you share uh, a great many common interests and and uh and compare ideas and and kind of makes the uh makes the world the uh, EMS world a, a a little bit larger and and uh a little bit smaller at the same time you you uh You you see just how much commonality you have with uh, uh, providers and other systems, and you can share ideas and uh, and commiserate. And, and of course, after the the sessions, and the sessions are great, you've got uh, world-class educators, and and you've got physicians who are are not only well-known in EMS circles but uh, also are are very well-known in in medical uh, uh, circles as well, like Brian Bledsoe that... uh, that come and lecture at these things and still have their have their heart in EMS. So you have plenty of educational opportunities and networking opportunities. And, and then, of course, at the nights after the, the sessions are over, there's uh, there's alcoholic beverages to be had and and, and uh, steam to be let off. So I try to participate in as much of that as possible. The, the <laughs> social media, you know, it has been it's probably been four years since I've paid to attend a, a lecture at one of the national conferences. And it's not because I don't think that those, those uh, sessions uh, have value, it's, but quite often by the time they have uh, been selected by a conference planning committee and, and show up uh, in a conference or show up in a, in a trade journal or magazine, um, there's something that we have already discussed, uh, dissected, folded, spindled, mutilated on the blogosphere or on social media uh, sites, so uh, a great deal of these lectures that that you know these uh, that many people are, are paying to hear the first time, I've already heard firsthand from the from the author of that lecture on his Twitter feed or, or on his Facebook page or, or in email exchanges. Um, so, uh, you know, social media lets us cheat uh, in a lot of regards and, and get that stuff long before uh, you might see it in, in other any other traditional venues. So. Kind of like seeing it uh, a second time at the at the conference. I just don't I don't see the point in it. It's All but uh, a few exceptions.
0: Uh, my guests on the line here are the hosts of the Confessions of an EMS Newbie podcast. You can get there by going to emsnewbie.com. dot com. We have uh, Kelly Grayson, blogger and uh, author and uh, Ron Davis, uh, the newbie, uh, computer programmer and photographer. And uh, as we're kind of winding down here, uh, gentlemen, uh, let me just kind of uh, ask you a couple more questions. One is specifically about social media. Um, and um, because something that I have a struggle with, um, and I know you guys probably do too, um, is kind of how how do you balance your real job, whatever that is, and doing some of this social media stuff. Um, uh Kelly, why don't you go first on that?
1: It's uh it's a struggle, you know. Um you know, I work an ambulance full time, um oh, uh eighty four hours every two weeks. Uh and I work seven PM to seven AM and, and our call load is not as uh as busy as it could be. Uh they don't work me to death but they they do work me so uh You know, it does cut into blogging, but blogging right now is is my creative outlet. It doesn't pay the bills, Um, so uh, um, finding that balance is difficult. Uh, In the early years of my blog, uh, when I worked as an ER tech, uh, worked in a hospital, uh, I found an opportunity to to blog, uh, you know, every day at least one post a day, sometimes two or three posts a day. Um, and sometimes when it was slow, uh, they allowed us Internet access at the hospital. I could get online and and post a blog post from work. Uh, Don't get many opportunities to do that anymore. And um, so blogging is kind of my volume of posting has uh, been curtailed somewhat. Uh, Plus I have uh, more responsibilities now with with some paid writing projects and deadlines to meet. Um, But it's tough tough to find that balance and and uh um what is what has been sacrificed for me over the, the last couple of years is uh, uh the frequency of my posting i still try to put up a quality post now and then and, and uh, occasionally i'll get to throw something up that that uh that really garners a reaction from from my readers and, and they're good enough that uh, they keep coming checking back even though i haven't put anything on there for two or three days uh so uh i've kind of sacrificed uh uh, quantity, uh, but hopefully the quality is still as good as it ever was.
0: Yeah, and, and, and Ron, the same question. I mean, as far as your your social media projects, how do you balance that with um, with classes, with family, with your real job? How how do you try to do that?
2: Um, well, one of the things with uh, with my podcast is I've got that kind of automated. This. My photography podcast. My co-host, I made her a producer about a year ago. So all I have to do is show up and do the interviews. Um, And then we have an audio editor who edits the podcast there. She does the show notes. She does everything with that. Um, For MS Newbie, I I use the same audio editor. Um, So we record the thing, and then I send it off, and he edits it, puts it together, loads it up on the server. I still write the show notes uh, for that. I try to write them right after we're done when it's still fresh in my mind. I try to take notes during it. I've gotten in trouble a couple of times on the podcast. People are like, don't <laughs> type while Kelly's talking. I'm like, I'm taking notes. Like so I wouldn't like say it, laugh. so don't forget it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh,
0: what, uh, what, what other kind of feedback have you gotten? Because uh, this is probably some, for some podcast perfectionists out there are, are trying to give you some constructive criticism on, uh, on your style.
2: Well, I haven't gotten any feedback on, you know, as far as the quality of the way the thing's produced. I got some feedback today. Someone, uh, let me think of how to hypnotize this. It's not exactly HIPAA, but um, <laughs> someone said that they cringe every time Kelly tells me something that's beyond my level. Um, that he's like, I don't disagree with what he says, but, you know, it's just going to confuse people at your level. And uh, at the time, I was kind of like, I don't know why that would be confusing. And Kelly says, do what your teacher says for the class. Um, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I know he says that. But, but sometimes you'll just, you know, I, I, he didn't specifically See, talk about this. But, but the bevel down I'll, PD thing, it's like that's, yeah. the next day I go to IV lab and they're like, never do the bevel down. And I just smiled, and I didn't do the bevel down. You know, I mean, it's like it's that hard to do. You know, to kind of keep. Did they say why? Did they say why
1: you shouldn't do the bevel down? No, probably because they were taught to do bevel up, and that's that's what they've always accepted.
2: Um, Yeah, but you know, I mean, you can just balance that. When I listen to you, and I know you're telling me something that's, I don't know, advanced or you know people do it different ways, I, I still go with what my teachers tell me in class, because that's the way the test is written, and that's what you need to do. And, uh, I mean, there are just... One thing I've learned about EMS is people do things different, um, and you need to learn to adapt to whatever system you're in. Uh, we were Today, we were practicing basic skills and backboarding people, and one guy tied the person to a backboard one way, and the other people said, we can't do that way at, at our service. We're specifically forbidden to do it. And You know, it's like there's more than one way. And as they say, you know, as long as the person stays on the board, you've done it right.
1: Well, see, you know, that has always, that's never been an argument that I've fought, this whole uh, don't talk over their head thing. I don't talk over people's head to to impress myself. Uh, I'm quite impressed myself without even talking at all. Um, But um, (laughs) I don't think learning is served by repeating stuff that, that people already understand and know. You know, um, and there's way too much in EMS education of monkey see, monkey do, rote memorization. You don't need to know why to, how to do something, or you don't need to know why you do it or the, the theory behind it. All you have to do is know when to do it. Um, I have bought that, and I think it's done a, a huge disservice to uh, to the medical providers that we're training, um, you need some background knowledge, and you, you need some theory, and you need to understand the, the context of, of, of these decisions. And sometimes the only way to do that is to uh, is to provide in, in greater detail. Uh, and if it requires that you uh, that uh, you have to, to go research something and, and look up something that I said, well, good. A good EMT, uh, one who is who is, uh, has a desire to learn, will go out there and make the effort and learn that. Uh, one who is not interested in learning is going to go. Well, he's just talking over my head, and uh, that's just going to confuse me. Well, they 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 don't want to learn. You know, um, harsh, but uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really buy the argument that uh, mm-hmm. talking over someone's head, or that I am talking over someone's head, and it's just going to confuse you. I think you're smart enough to uh, to know what is uh, what you need to know. Uh, at this point, and, and, and how to fill in the own gaps in your knowledge base.
0: Uh, w- one of the things that, that I'm really enjoying is um, as uh, as Ron is getting more experience and more knowledge. Um, Ron, you're getting some opinions on things, and uh, which <laughs> I think is gr- is great. Um, and what's even better is that Kelly has some of the background on that. As far as you know, you know, you ask the questions like, well, why can't paramedics do more in a hospital setting? Uh, and why is this in the curriculum? Um, And then Kelly comes back and gives a a a background information from your experience, and especially in in EMS education on on some of these issues. And and that's something that I have learned as far as well, yeah, you know, because sometimes I'm learning some of this, you know, on my own too. As far as well, why does that happen? And and Kelly comes back, well, this is. Um, You know, this is a curriculum change, or this is this the state board, or this is this political group, or you know this lobby group that is having a lot of turf battles. You know, because I know all the turf battles as far as from a physician standpoint, but I'm starting to learn about all the other turf battles that other people are having in medicine, and, and I really empathize with you know, with all the frustrations that that happens with, you know, regardless of who's having the turf war, uh, because, you know, because people should be able to do a lot more than they are, but it's just because of other type of issues, usually political type issues from the past.
2: Yeah, I think
1: that's a universal thing. Everyone has to protect their own little fiefdom, uh, and sometimes to the uh, to the detriment of the profession as a whole. And one thing I've learned in, in my time in EMS is it's not just limited to EMS. Uh, it's it's in medicine, it's in nursing. Um, you see it to a, to varying degrees just about everywhere.
0: Um, okay, I, let's see. Um, oh, and I know, Ron, uh, I, uh, you had a couple questions for me as far as you know my uh, if I have any experience as a family doc with EMS and paramedics, and personally, I don't, um, except if I have to call them in my office. Uh, but uh, um, but basically, I mean, the the, the physician interaction with, with, with EMS and paramedics are, are basically, you know, how you have it now in your training program is, is basically through the emergency department. Um, I don't have, you know, very much a day-to-day interaction at all with, with, with EMS or paramedics at all.
2: Yeah, I just kind of wondered – you know, because you're a family doc, and, yeah, you don't have a lot of interaction with paramedics. So I, I wondered what kind of the default idea about paramedics is. You know, one thing in medical school, do they have a class or teach you, like, what all the different people do? You know, what is it oh, that no. nurses do, and what are the rules on that? Did they teach you paramedics?
0: No, I mean, we, we, we you know, other, other than nurses, uh, nothing, you know, I mean, because, you know, mm. when I came out in the hospital setting, you know nurse practitioner physician's assistant paramedic you know all that type of stuff i have I have no idea, and a lot of it is is kind of state based too as far as you know what is their scope of practice but you know but in general you know not really
2: one yeah our, so you just you don't learn local, that till so you get into the hospital yeah
1: one of our local so hospitals is a uh is a clinical site for LSU uh, School of Medicine's family practice uh, residents. So, um, the the family practice residents uh, rotate uh, do ER rotations at this particular hospital, and and uh, the former director uh, or the uh, uh, I guess the uh, adjunct faculty in charge of, of that program uh, was. Uh, Really pro EMS physician who used to have me come speak to all the family practice residents, and I, I give a lecture called uh, "Care and Feeding of Your Paramedic," and uh, it was it was educating uh, non EMS or non emergency docs, uh, family practice and, and internal medicine docs on on how to interface with paramedics while they were you know doing their their OR uh, their ER rotations and. And uh, what the capabilities of these paramedics were, and what things they could and could not do, uh, and kind of get them a, a little more conversant with uh, with, with uh, what we are and, and what our profession is about. Uh, it was well received; they liked it. I um, uh, Wish I could do that now, because we got some family practice docs that uh, uh, we got some residents there that, that really have no clue what we do in EMS, and uh, they need a little educating.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so b- before we kind of close things up here uh, for the evening Well, let, let me just a- ask Ron So it, I know you, you, you kind of fed me those questions beforehand is there, is there any other questions that have come up during our conversation here uh, tonight That you want to throw my way before, uh, before I start uh, closing up the show here tonight?
2: No, uh, that was my main question I just kind of wondered what the default was for doctors on paramedics And then I, asked, I wanted to ask you about Dr. Anonymous But I did that too <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, because I uh, cause I don't want to keep uh, Kelly
0: from his uh, beverage, and I don't want to further kill his cell phone battery. But uh, but before you go there, Ambo driver. Um, so uh, how how much longer does, does EMS Expo uh, go? And uh, kind of what are, are, are does it go tomorrow? Are, are you speaking tomorrow, or does it all end tomorrow? Uh,
1: I'm not speaking. Um, I'm I'm doing a uh, interview for um, for an EMS website. Uh, doing a, a, a uh, video interview for uh, EMS1.com and uh going to hang out with uh with a, a few of my friends and I'm I'm kind of trolling the exhibit hall right now uh gathering information for a couple of presentations I'm doing it at the Texas EMS conference and and uh talking to the various vendors uh, on on some of the of uh, some of the products that I'll be uh not specific products but uh just where the current technology is on pre-hospital CPAP is one of the things I'm I'm doing. So, kind of gathering info and, and getting as much free swag as I can for uh, for visual aids. <laughs> and uh, that will be uh, that will be my day tomorrow. Is is, is making the rounds of the exhibit hall and see what I can talk these people out of.
0: Um, and How long are you there, know, Kelly? I mean, you know where uh, we're, where you're located out there, uh, Kelly. I mean, you know, sometimes your transports and I just learned this from the podcast is that. You can have, you know, is it true, like three-hour transports one way, and then you have to come all yeah. the way back? Is that what happens?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Louisiana has, has only had, uh, even before Katrina, we only had one, uh, two Level two, level 1 trauma centers. We had a Level 1 trauma center in, in New Orleans with, you know, the full spectrum of, of care that one offers and, and uh, had one in Shreveport. And as it is, uh, and, and of course, after Katrina, we lost a lot of physicians who, you know, uh, whose, you know, their patients just dried up. They didn't have anyone to take care of, so they relocated. So uh, um, some of those specialties still haven't come back. Sometimes even in in some of our our fairly large cities, we have problems getting neuro and uh, and especially neurosurgery and some types of orthopedic care. Um, You know, good luck getting a hand surgeon or, or someone who can, work on, a, uh, on certain types of hip fractures in, in uh, my area. So, uh, and of course, nephrology and, and some of the other, other specialties, uh, we, have to, we have to go out of town. So whenever we get a patient uh, in interfacility facility transfer, um, we may uh, wind up going to Houston or, or New Orleans or uh, Shreveport from Lake Charles, and those, those transports take, uh, you know, around three hours one way. And when you work for Acadian Ambulance, um, the Shreveport and the, the New Orleans strips, um, you're you're still pretty close to your service area, <laughs> so uh, you may catch uh, emergency calls and smaller transfers all the way back to your station. So.
0: Is it uh, is it tough to get uh, time off there, Kelly, to do some of this uh, kind of uh, fun stuff?
1: They are they're pretty accommodating, but. Uh, um, I have the, the luxury of having a, a manager who, uh, uh, our, our local operations manager is, is pretty supportive. Um, I still have to find my relief and, and use vacation days and such, but, uh, um, if they can, uh, can find, uh, relief for me, they will. If not, I'm responsible for it on my own. And so far it hasn't been a problem. Uh, it, it's been difficult here. Uh, it is always difficult this time of the year, especially with the, the, the BP oil spill because we had so many of our medics uh, supporting our, our offshore division uh, in oil spill cleanup. Plus, it's in the middle of hurricane season, so they kind of curtail uh, vacations as much as they can. So we'll be fully staffed in, in the case one makes landfall in our service area. So getting getting a vacation day or a or a relief uh, from you know August through November. Uh, especially this year, with the oil spill going on as well, it's kind of kind of tough. So I'm lucky that I, I managed to get off of the conference.
0: Um, so, Ron, so um, well, where do you see the newbie podcast uh, going? I mean, uh, as far as you know, you're going to complete your uh, paramedic program, but uh, do you kind of have a, have a vision of where where you want to go after that at all? Or
2: um, you know, someone asked in a comment on the blog the other day, um, "Am I still a newbie?" And I thought that was a little ridiculous. But um, I said, of course I'm still a newbie because I'm in paramedic school. But I, I kind of told Kelly the other day, I don't think I'll stop being a newbie till I've been in the field for a couple of years. you know. And um, so the podcast will go on. Uh, at that point or some point along the line, we may bring in other newbies and make it a three-way podcast or something. Uh, and you can yeah, be the Jedi people. Master Paramedic. That
0: then I can be the Jedi Master. <laughs> uh, um, and and Rob, but yeah, but before I let you guys go, I, I do want want you to to talk a little bit about um, you know your your photography blog, photography podcast, your business, and maybe just give a little let people know where you know what it's about and where they can find uh, that aspect of your life on the internet.
2: Okay. Well. Um, before my passion for EMS, I had a passion for uh, taking, as I used to put it, taking beautiful images of beautiful models. And um, there's kind of an underground community of models and photographers who get together to, you know, just enjoy the process and the art of taking pictures. And I found that there were people who knew a lot about photography and had never heard of this and never heard of this way of meeting models and, you know, arranging shoots and that kind of thing. So that's what originally started my blog at the time and soon after a, a podcast which is now almost all a podcast podcasts because I don't have a lot of time to write for the for the blog but it's called Photographer and Model it's at photographerandmodel.com and we interview me and my uh, model partner Shauna interview models and photographers try to rotate every other week um, with each of those people and um, yeah you can go to photographerandmodel.com
0: uh, so Kelly, so would you be interested in a, a photographer newbie podcast? Just uh, curious. <laughs> uh,
1: I would. I would. I'd have to be the newbie there. Um, <laughs> okay, can going to turn it around? I'll <laughs> take that. I missed. There. there you go. I, I don't. I don't know an f-stop from from the hole in the ground. So uh, I'm a I'm a point and shoot kind of guy. Um, but I, I keep I keep leaning on Ron to 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 make me an assistant. You know, you get someone with lighting. You know, you need a You can come a towel down to Houston or, and do
2: a ride along with me.
1: Yeah, there you go. And I'd be the white cloud. I'd be the. I'd be at the one <laughs> shoot where everyone remains fully clothed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that would be what would happen. That would be what would happen.
0: Uh, that's great um and before i let be you guys go uh let me uh, uh let me ask kelly uh so tell us about uh the uh, texas uh, ems conference in austin then November 21 and 20 through 24 um tell us what it, what, uh, what that's going to be about and, and uh, you guys are going to be having a uh a live show there is that right
1: yes uh ron and i will be at the, the texas ems conference uh uh, in Austin, Texas, at the Convention Center in Austin, um, November the 21st through the 23rd. Uh, it, it ends the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I'll be giving a, a couple of lectures, uh, or, uh, several lectures there, including the closing keynote address. And uh, Ron and I will be uh, meeting fans of EMS Newbie and, and uh, probably do some live podcasting from the exhibit hall floor. Um, there are several... Uh, EMS educational websites who are uh, offering right now. I haven't haven't decided on which one uh, to to host us and, and give us some room to uh, to meet and greet people and, and and do some podcasting from their booths. So uh, Ron and I will will hash those things out, but we will be there uh, on the exhibit hall floor, uh, doing EMS newbie and and uh, showing our flag and. Uh, <laughs> You, if you're an ENT or if you're interested in EMS, I'd encourage you to come Texas CMS conference is one of the best conferences in the country and, and I would as far as quality of, of education and, and size and, and scope it is is comparable to the uh to the two major national conferences so um it's a it's a really great conference to go to and
2: I'm bringing and all the, my peeps because yeah, uh, everybody and the, yeah go ahead all the people from my program, all the second-year paramedics have to go to the show, have to go to the conference, and they give us, all, all of us, the week off. So uh, I'm pretty sure my entire department is coming as far as faculty go and um, all the P2 students and a lot of the P1 students. So they're, I'm bringing a lot of people, Kelly, so whoever has the biggest booth. Sweet.
1: Speaking of, uh, the folks Cypress Creek EMS, say uh... – uh tell you hello um neither one of them knew you but uh they had uh they had heard of the ems newbie podcast and that uh um the the guys who are manning the booth here have have listened and uh are are big fans of the podcast so hmm. feathering your cat wow on.
2: so and they so say,
1: ron back uh we need a break
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they need the white cloud effect there yeah uh-huh. so- so, Ron, so, so do people uh, do people in your class know about the podcast? I mean, and, and w- when you first learned that they did, what was I mean, that had to be kind of weird. Uh,
2: I kept it a secret through basic. Um, and there were two classes that met at the same time at my school, two basic classes this summer. And one of the guys in the other class figured it out. You know, he found the podcast, and then he figured out who I was and uh so we were kind of keeping it a secret we kept it a secret till the end of my basic class and you know once i would passed my final i told my teacher literally i finished the finished the final and went up to her and said hey i've been doing this podcast the whole time and she said well you should tell the head of the department so yeah everybody knows now my head of the department all my professors one of them which is extremely paranoid goes, don't podcast that you know in class but uh (laughs) yeah they all know now they all know now um
0: and I, I have one last question for both of you, and then I'll, I'll let you guys go. So, so Ron, uh, so up to this point in time, uh, so what kind of – what have you learned about yourself going through this process, completing basic and, and going a little bit through through the paramedic program? What have you learned about yourself up to this point of this experience?
2: I've learned that I find medicine fascinating, which, like I said, I had no interest in medicine or biology or chemistry or any of that kind of thing, and I'm interested in all of it now. Um That I, while I'm just as sparky and as adrenaline junkie as the next uh, ambulance driver, uh, I find some of the stuff, you know, the patient care stuff, the taking an interest in people's lives and making them feel better, uh, I find that really attractive as well to the profession. And I think that's true of of people who do this in general, even though the stereotype is that they're very uh, trauma-oriented. Um,
0: and uh, my last question for you, Kelly Grayson, the Ambo driver. Um, so why should anybody in medicine, no matter what field you're in, why should anybody in medicine get involved with this social media stuff?
1: Uh, it's it's uh, communication in the 21st century. Now, um, this is uh, information travels at the speed of thought these days, um, and, and if you want to stay connected, uh, this is one of the best ways to do it. Uh, the, the social media, re- I think of it as, it's, it's a revolution in, in communication. Uh, I routinely read stuff on, on Twitter feeds and, and on, on Facebook or uh, on, on various EMS discussion lists uh, uh, 24 hours or 48 hours before it hits the media news cycle. Uh, and quite often you, you hear things well before they're released and. And, and some of uh, or get hints of things before they're released in the, uh, in the medical journals. So, um, to, to stay connected and to, uh, and give you an opportunity to, to actually interact with, with some of these people that you may never, uh, may never get a chance to meet in real life, um, uh, it's an invaluable resource. Uh, I think if you, if you don't have a, if you're not media, uh, media savvy and, and have a social media presence, you're, you're uh you're really missing out, uh in, in today's world. So uh I'm still not the best Twitterer in the world, but uh there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of other ways to, to remain connected. And uh if you're not making use of them, uh you're not communicating to to the the most uh you're not being an effective communicator, I'll say. Uh
0: confessions of an EMS Newbie Podcast, ems dot I guess online have been Ron Davis, the newbie, and Kelly Grayson, uh, <laughs> the Jedi Master. Uh, so with just about twenty seconds left, I want to thank you guys for being on the show. This has been a, a, a treat for me. I'd love to bring you guys back. Uh, we can talk about. You can educate me more about EMS, and because uh, I've known, I've learned a lot. I want to thank you guys for for being on the show. I really much appreciate it. Thanks okay, for having me. My pleasure, it. Doc. Thanks a lot. Uh, all right, kids. So uh, I have uh, run out of time here, so uh, I will say uh, good night. And if you want to learn more information about me, just go to DrAnonymous.com. That will get you all the information about me. I will say uh, good night and take care. We'll talk to you all very soon.